Good to have you back on a Wednesday afternoon. Sports talk rolling here with you. Not nearly as windy today as it was yesterday. It's the cooler day today. 70 degrees or so. Nice day here in the Sun City. Starts gonna, it's going to start heating up again and probably get to the 80s by tomorrow. And then we'll be in the 80s for the rest of the week. That's your weather forecast. Sponsored by our friends at Lubingo. They sponsor the studios here uh, at 600 El Paso. So we give them a little extra bonus plug, a little uh, weather report. 915-505-6009 is our telephone number. That's 915-505-6009. All right. Good show lined up for you today. Happy to hear Tristan Newton's on his way to UConn. Good for him. He's going to play for Kamani, play for Danny Hurley, and ultimately play in uh, the Big East. That is a good move and uh, someone that we knew was high major material. I, I was dreaming about UTEP. Why not? Why can't we dream? I mean, you know, he was uh, from El Paso, but unfortunately, look, nobody got on Tristan Newton at a high school. Even though he was dropping 30 and 40 a game, nobody knew if he was going to translate. And how it would translate to the Division One game? Well, now we know, and now we find out he's uh, going to be a member of the UConn Huskies this season. Yeah, I think a lot of minor fans were out there, and they were actually just like uh, you, Steve. They were dreaming that t- uh, t- uh, Tristan Newton would make his way to UTEP somehow. But uh, when you started to see his name appear on like top ten transfer portal name uh, name watch lists and all those things, it, it, the, that those dreams felt a little bit more unrealistic at that at that point. So I think while those uh, those thoughts were you know nice for Tristan Newton, uh, this move right here going to UConn that's a that's an awesome move for him uh two-time all american athletic conference uh player in tristan newton and yeah he's somebody who wants to play at that next level so let's see what he could do absolutely i'm excited to see what he can do i know we all are right we all want to see what, what tristan newton can do i think that's the way to go um by the way juan is still out there I, i'm really interested to find out if utep will be able to get juan newton because that would be a solid get for the miners right now i really would yeah, that's a huge name to watch. And hey, uh, Jawan Newton, somebody who starred for Evansville. I get it. Evansville wasn't the best team uh, over the course of his time over there, but now he's looking for that fresh start. See what he could do elsewhere. And I, I believe that if it's not, you know, going to UConn and being a package deal, which I don't even think is out there right now, no, Steve, I don't see that. for Jawan Newton, I think it's uh, you know coming back home, maybe playing for his hometown team in UTEP and playing for Joe Golding. Maybe that's a, an interesting move that Jawan can make and play. Plus, UTEP's already recruiting or rumored to be recruiting some of his uh, his current players that are on that Evansville team and entered the portal. So maybe it could be a package deal or something along those lines. That's what I was thinking. Maybe there's going to be a few Evansville guys going to UTEP, not just Juwan. Maybe there's two of them. Who knows what's going to happen when it's all said and done? I think that makes the most sense, Adrian. I really do. Yeah, and the the name to kind of watch in that uh, in that regard is Toronto, Ontario product. It's Shamar Givens. He's heard from UTEP uh, in as. He he entered the transfer portal. The interesting part about Givens is he is a five foot ten uh, grad transfer guard who averaged thirteen point seven points on forty one percent shooting. So if they were able to get those two as a package deal, man, there you go. You got a, a nice duo in your backcourt already. I guess the I guess the funny part is right now is that if you're UTEP, I mean, here's another question. Okay, how long do you wait to see what's going to go on with Keontae Kennedy? I mean, that's the, that's the tough part, too. And, and Keontae, here's the thing. If you're UTEP, if I'm UTEP and I'm Joe Golding, I have to be recruiting right now to add to my guards. And if he goes into the portal after they sign guys, so be it. But, I mean, you cannot right now hold off on 
reloading a team that has been completely decimated wondering if your one really returning star is coming back or not. You got to rebuild, you got to reload. And you know, you got and you got to rebuild the guards. I mean, look, you lost Agnew, you lost Bienemy, and you lost Boom. So the truth is, whether or not uh you you know, Keontae stays or goes, you still have to bring in guards to go play with them. That's the most important thing. Those two from Evansville, the kid from Penn State, there's plenty of guards. They're looking at JUCO guys. There's a lot of players UTEP's looking at right now. A lot. I feel like UTEP has a lot of players that they could choose from, and now it's about bringing them to El Paso, uh, bring, tour, you know, let them tour the campus, bring them on for official visits when they're allowed to do this, and, uh, and get them to commit to, to you know, play for the minors because that May 1st deadline where transfer portal players have to announce their school is is approaching real quick, Steve. And if, you know, a clock is ticking, minors need to get as many commitments as they can to fill out their roster. What happens if they don't declare by May 1st? What happens then if they're in the portal? That's a great question. I'm not sure what ends up happening if they uh, end up losing any time of eligibility or anything like that. I'm not too sure about what, what happens there because you end up seeing like graduate transfers end up leaving their teams and entering another team even in the summer. So it, it feels like those rules are very loose, Steve. And, and I'm not too sure what what we uh, I guess like what the final ruling is that because even Alfred Hollins, he wasn't somebody who committed uh, last year early Early into the offseason, he was like a late offseason acquisition. That's true. I don't understand what this March for uh, May first transfer portal deadline is. Do you? No, I don't. But I keep seeing it uh, thrown around a lot of places. People keep citing it and saying, "Hey, I'm going to make my decision on May first, Those kinds of things. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm not too sure what what happens if you don't meet that deadline right there. I wonder if it's different for underclassmen and upperclassmen. That could be another thing as well to maybe look at. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Um, so, okay, here's what it is, okay? May 1st, apparently, is the deadline to transfer and be eligible to play in the 2022 season. Makes sense. Okay. I, I that I understand right there. I'm also curious with graduate transfers, since things are a little weird there, you know, in regards to them graduating in the spring and then yeah. maybe moving on. So, apparently, the deadline for fall and winter sports is May 1st every year. The deadline for spring sports is July 1st every year. So if you don't find a school by May 1st and you're in the portal, what that means is unless you find an exception, you are going to have to sit out the 2022-23 season. Okay, um, that makes sense right there. And I just looked at the graduate, the postgraduate transfer eligibility. It said this, uh, the graduate transfer may be eligible as a full-time postgraduate at another school uh, as long as they enter the transfer portal by May 1st. And, uh, and if they participate in a fall sport, they have, to make, uh, they have to make their announcement by July 1st. So graduate transfer is a little mm. bit different right there. Okay, that makes sense. But if you don't have your degree and you're in the portal, then you ult- – now, I would assume – I would think Juwan Newton graduated, don't you? I would assume so, Steve, because four he's years. been there for four years, yeah. And if he didn't, well, then he's got to decide by May 1st. Maybe he will decide by May 1st. Maybe he's not going to string it out. He'll make his announcement then and go from there. But that's interesting because if you're UTEP, you don't want a team of grad transfers. You don't want just a one-year thing. You want to go out and get a couple of kids that might be sophomores, fresh, you know, and, and juniors and – if that's the case, what do you have? Right now you have 
uh, 17 days. That's it. Yeah, you have to make these decisions quick, and you have to hope that these players make their decision quick in that in that same regard. And remember, there are no campus visits, no, no none of that stuff. I, I think teams can contact recruits or players in the portal, but you cannot host anybody until uh, Friday because I think it ends Thursday. So makes sense. Um, so this is the dead period. They have like you know four days now, and it's the dead period. And then you can bring people in uh, and go from there. So that is going to be interesting. See what happens. Heard I heard a I heard a good one. I heard that Texas is after both Sule Boom and Jabari Rice. Wow, not surprised at all. There, uh, their their assistant coach and Rodney Terry has seen both of them play. Hey, coached one of them. Yes, he has. Now I don't think they're going after both guys, but I mean I would think you want Sule for sure because of his scoring ability. But you know if you can't get Sule Boom, uh, Jabari Rice is not exactly a bad plan B either. Oh, yeah, and Jabari Rice has proven that he can hit big shots in big moments. That's exactly what probably you know Texas is probably looking for right there, somebody who's a, a veteran scoring guard who could join their backcourt. Big question for me with Jabari Rice joining them, you know, how many minutes will he average per game? That's a, that's a huge thing that these transfers have to ask those questions before making those decisions. Well, look, they're built the same way. They're both athletic, um, you know, thin, slender guys, but hey, they can shoot. They both can shoot. Boom can bang away and – Jabari can too, so yeah, that's interesting. I've I, I find that one to be a fun one to keep an eye on and and, and see what happens with both uh, Jab- Sir Jabari Rice and uh, Sule Boom. So some more um, food for thought as we get started here at twelve past the hour on Sports Talk. You want in on the show nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine. Uh, Jay Jaffe is going to join us on the program, and Jay and I are going to disagree on something. We're going to disagree on the move today that uh, Dave Roberts made in the eighth inning to pull uh, Clinton Kershaw. Now, Kershaw has battled injuries. He has not been healthy. I get all that. I do. First game of the season, 30-something degrees in Minnesota. I get that, too. But he's never thrown a, he's never thrown a perfect game in his life. He had thrown 80 pitches through seven innings. He had a shot. And Jay's going to argue because I read his tweets, he's going to argue that you don't risk, you know, uh, an injury that could really harm the Dodgers uh, for something like this. And I'm thinking, eh. I mean, number one, we don't, you can get hurt anytime doing anything. So, you know, again, we, we baby these guys so much. And, you know, their, their arms aren't built up. They don't, they're not ready yet. They, 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 oh, they've been working for two, three weeks, and they're building their arm strength and doing all this kind of stuff. It's crazy. He was in total control. 13 strikeouts. One of the best games of his life. Of his life. And they took him out after seven because they were worried about pitch count. I don't like this move one bit, Steve. Uh, I was monitoring this game, and I was seeing that, you know, they, they were, like you were saying, they were dominating. The bats were flying off, and uh, you, you just wonder why Roberts made that decision. I get it. The advanced analytics in, in all of sports, it's not just baseball. All of sports really show you that, hey, you take your player out when you're dominating like that. But uh, Clayton Kershaw, um, you know, pulled after seven perfect innings and just 80 pitches. That's where, that's where my problem happens right there. Only 80 pitches, Steve. He's in perfect control on the mound and just dominating. Why are you taking him out in that situation? He threw 12 in the first, 14 in the second, 6 in the third, 14 in the fourth, 8 in the fifth, 15 in the sixth, uh, 11 in the seventh inning. 11 pitches. So 
But I don't think he was mad. He was laughing and, and smiling in the dugout as he was leaving. I, I get it. I mean, I understand. He's he's not healthy. He's been you know he had the injury that he missed the playoffs last year. You don't want forearm injuries. You don't want Tommy John. I, I get all that. I do. But it's just too bad that we live in an era when it's hard to see big achievements these days because teams are so worried about pitch counts. And we also live in an era, Steve, where uh, you know where play- coaches, managers are pulling these players in this sense. They're they're using data to justify their moves and all that, and we just have to accept it. But you know who's really getting robbed here? The fans, because the fans want to see uh, history being made like yep. this. We never get a chance to see perfect games like this. And you know, I think because of where the advanced analytics are in baseball, I don't know how many perfect games we're going to see in the future. I think the those are you know far and between i'm with you on that one with you all right so jay jaffe's gonna join us next we'll talk kershaw we'll talk start of the season we'll do all that stuff coming up right after charlie one who has this traffic update back happy to have you with us this man joins us each and every wednesday to talk baseball and beer He's the one and only Jay Jaffe from uh, Fangraphs.com. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Welcome back to the program. How you doing now that we've got some baseball to talk about? Hey, it's great. Great. I'm enjoying some afternoon games here and there, and uh, uh, glad to be back in the swing of things. Me too. Me too. Now, I read your tweets earlier today. I know where you stand on the Kershaw uh, game today. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately... Um, we beg to differ because I agree with everything you said, Jay. I do. And I know exactly where you're coming from because it makes a lot of sense. But when you get a 34-year-old in total control that's never thrown a perfect game in his life and has been pitching as good as he has with such a low pitch count, it's tough to take him out knowing he is so close to doing something like something magical that a future Hall of Famer like Kershaw has never done before. Yeah, it's tough. It's also 38 degrees with wind chill uh, in the 20s, and and a guy who isn't built up. And uh, last time he pitched a regular season game, it it ended it ended the, uh, his you know his his season because yep. of injuries. So, you know, I, Kershaw Kershaw wants another World Series. That's why he came back to the Dodgers. Um, you know, he could have gone to the Rangers, uh, pitched closer to home, but he does he doesn't see the Rangers as being a team that's going to get to the World Series again, and he wants that title. Um, you know, he's always been a guy who places the uh, uh, the goals of the team ahead of his own personal glory. This wasn't out of character. I mean, he you know he understood the situation. Everything he said in the you know in, in the post game uh, press conference, he understood the situation. Dave Roberts has made this decision before. He did it with Ross Stripling. He did it with Walker Bueller. He did it with Rich Hill. You know, this is 21st century baseball, and. You know, it especially has a lot to do with the short spring training and 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 the injury risk involved. And and uh, you know, I know we all would have loved to see the perfect game, but the stars just weren't aligned for it to happen. Well, it also goes to show you. And by the way, I think that the the cold weather actually was to his benefit. If you looked at his pitch count, he never threw more than fifteen pitches in an inning. Jay, I mean, he had one inning where he threw six pitches, another inning where he, where he threw like eight yeah. pitches. It's fair. It's that's fair. You know, I mean, I think the Twins they looks kind of checked out. It's a it's a getaway day game. Um, you know, you look at Max Kepler, who's got that that uh, that full face mask on. 
Um, nobody looked like they were having too much fun out there, except you know on, on the on the other side. There were not a lot of uh, uh, deep counts or com- you know competitive at bats, and maybe he could have pulled it off. But you know, there's a there's a risk there, and Kershaw isn't necessarily just looking you know to for this year. He wants to prolong his career, and, and it's his prerogative. I mean, I think if he'd been completely gung ho about going for it, I bet the Dodgers would have let him. Um, Cooler heads prevailed, and and his, you know, and it's his as much as anybody else's. I so, get it. Yep, I get it. You know, but I, I'm a, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you. I don't. I don't think you can force the issue. No, you're right. But 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 I'm gonna throw something else at you right now on this whole subject since we're talking about this, okay? And and that is that when you look at you know today's game. First off, it is so difficult to uh, achieve milestones like this because of the way the game is played now and the way pitchers are handled. That's that's first off and, and, and foremost. And uh, number two, Clayton Kershaw can get hurt coming out of the shower. He can get hurt closing a car door. I mean, he can get hurt in any game, pregame stretching, pregame warm-ups. So to say that you're trying to keep him from getting hurt, as one thing we've noticed about Kershaw these last couple of years is that he gets hurt. So it's 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 difficult when you realize that and say, well, yeah, but he's, you know, this is one of those games where he looked like 23-year-old Kershaw. He didn't look like 34-year-old Kershaw today. Yeah. There were also what there were like what seven complete game no hitters thrown last year. These aren't exactly rare events. I mean, yes, a perfect game is more rare than 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 a, than a no hitter. But to say that he'll never have a chance again to do this uh, ignores the conditions and uh, you know of of the game right now with uh, uh, the high strikeout rates and the low batting averages and all the things that are making you know that are depressing offense too. So you know it's I get it. You know, but I think the Dodgers, as Eric Karras said on the broadcast, you're not going to win anything on the, you know, in, a, in a, on a Wednesday, April Wednesday in Minnesota. Um, again, they want to win the World Series. That's what that's what drives these guys, and that's what drive that's what drives Kershaw. That's what drives Roberts. Now, what really would have been interesting is if they would have had a combined uh, perfect game because that's never been done before <laughs> in the history of baseball. No, and in fact, Dave Roberts is the only manager ever to pull a pitcher with a perfect game so deep. Uh, he did it with Rich Hill. It was the first time since at least 1900 that anybody had done that. Now he's done it twice. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, he's got a reputation for this, uh, I guess you could say. He does. All right. Uh, Jay, as we talk about some of the other news uh, making headlines right now, there's a lot of rookies that are playing to start the season this year. You know, normally they, they get sent down. They're worried about, um, you know, their service time and, and arbitration. But now you know, we're seeing Bobby Witt. Uh, in we we're seeing Hunter Green and Nick Nadolo from the Reds. We're having a chance to also see Julio Rodriguez out there from the Marlin from the Mariners. Uh, it's fun to see teams now and look at C.J. Abrams with the Padres. I mean, teams are not worried about starting their 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 top prospects off in AAA if they've never played in the big leagues before. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson too. Yep, that's another uh, good his one. First home run today. That's right. Uh, I have a, I have a special spot for Torkelson because uh, my my cousin Allen. Uh, was his neighbor uh, when when Torkelson was growing up in California. So, um. <laughs> did Alan tell you that this kid was going to be special? Yeah, he did. Actually, he he was on he was on it. Uh, I think when the, I saw Alan for the first time in thirty something years a couple of years ago, and he said, "Yeah, this guy's going to be the number one pick." Wow, that's and he cool. was right. Um, no, this this uh, this is probably related to the new CBA uh, and the. Um, 
the anti you know the the uh, anti service time manipulations and the and the incentives for for bringing these guys up. Um, but it's also worth noting that in, for the most part, these are guys who are on teams that expect to contend this year, particularly with the with the expanded playoffs. I mean, you know, the Mariners are looking to to uh, uh, break the longest uh, playoff drought in North America, so they brought Julio Rodriguez up. Um, you know, the Tigers are, are looking to turn the corner, so they brought Torkelson up. They probably would have had Riley Green on the roster if he'd been healthy as well. Um, you know the Royals are, are 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 a little bit further from contention, but they're at least interesting. Uh, so they've got Bobby Witt. The the Padres are without Fernando Tatis Jr. So why not take a look at Cal Abrams? They're trying to get back to the playoffs. So you know there are competitive there are real competitive aspirations that are also driving these decisions. I don't think we've completely solved the service time manipulation issue, but yes, it's encouraging to see all these guys up uh, so soon. Um, and uh, you know it, it, it's great. Tweet came in a moment ago. I want to read this to you because it's very critical of you. And I want to get I want to get your answer to one particular question here. Okay, so Eric uh, Eric Fournier, the number Fournier, tweets the show. Jaffe's mentality is what's wrong with baseball. Fans, oh, good. oh please, 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 please frame on. this for hang me. On, please on. frame this for me. I'd like to have it embroidered. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to frame it. Jaffe's mentality <laughs> is what's wrong with baseball. Here we go. Here we go. Fans would have loved a perfect game that has only happened less than 25 times in Major League Baseball history. So I think the idea is, yeah, we he understands what you're saying, but he's also looking at it as it from a fan standpoint, fans want the no-no. Fans yeah, want a, or fans want it. the as perfect, a, as perfect a fan, game. I, as a fan, I want it too. But the, ultimately, it's the player who gets to decide. Yeah. It's his arm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, and, it's, it, Clayton, and, Clayton Kershaw ultimately got to, you know, got to have his say in that. And and uh, who, am I, who am I to, you know, to deprive him of that? You know, Kershaw, when he signed with the Dodgers, he said, I wanted to be here and win a World Series. I think the Dodgers give me the best chance to do that. He's putting, you know, that's his goal. Every, anything that gets in the way of that, including another injury, is interfering with that. It's, this, this is a guy who's got, you know, he's got the power here. It's not me depriving Clayton Kershaw of a, of a perfect game. When was the last year Kershaw was healthy? Uh, he has not thrown more than 28 starts in a season since 2015. Wow. See, that now that right there is the story in itself, right? Seven years since he's had a normal starter's workload. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. I mean, he's he's been on the injured list every year. Um, you know, and last year was career-threatening. I mean, you know, the... There were there were fears he was going to need Tommy John surgery. He was heading into free agency. It wasn't at all clear he was going to come back. Yeah. This is his first game back. You know, this reminds me actually a lot of um, in 1996. David Cohn returned from a couple months absence after after dealing with an aneurysm in his arm. Um, they didn't know what to expect, and he threw I think it was seven no hit innings uh, uh, against the A's. This was for the Yankees. And Joe Torre had to make the uh, uncomfortable call to pull him, and Cone was like, "Yep, that's that's what you got to do." You know, I'm I'm glad the arm is healthy. Uh, I want to win a World Series, and you know that's that's the framework I bring to this. I mean, there are bigger goals in mind. Yes, we all want to see no hitters, perfect games. You know, we've Cone even got his perfect game uh, a couple years later. So, that's true. Um, you know, there'll there'll be. You know, there's this. This does not end their chance at greatness. I mean, we all want to see it. We all want to see these things, but 
um, you know, we all have to remember that the players want even bigger things than, than just a moment of glory. So Joel Sherman tweeted about getting fans back and having to entertain the fans and keeping the fans first in their mind, and then he rips the decision to take Kershaw out. Sherman's been around forever. You read him. He writes for The Post and uh, is still considered one of the more respected writers. Did you look at this as a shot to the fans like Sherman did? No. Okay. No, I, this is the realities of April baseball, too. I mean, these guys have had three weeks. They haven't had a full spring training. That's a good way. You know, yeah. the last time the last time we went through this, the abbreviated spring, uh, you know, summer camp in 2020, we had a, we had arm injuries galore. Um, we still having that now. Look at what happened uh, earlier earlier in the week. We've seen that go, guys go down with injury after injury. Look at Giolito. Right. We're, right. we're all you know we're all, we're already. You know, we're already nervous about what what kind of you know what kind of injuries the you know that these pitchers are going to face. I, I don't, you know, I I think anybody who's <laughs> and, and look, I, and I love Joel. Joel lives to stir the pot. Right. Um. You know, he's he uh, uh, he's a very rational person at times, but he also loves to loves loves to uh, uh, stir the pot. And uh, I don't think this. Is, I don't think you can take it personally as a fan. Um, this is, you know, this is just a confluence of, of uh, events that, that, uh, um, you know, really was 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 something that that couldn't be couldn't be surmounted. Um, you can't force a guy to throw 120 pitches in his first outing back, um, you know, from from a long injury. More with Jay as we continue here, bottom of the hour. Let's go right now over to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Uh, digging into his performance. Absolutely right. All right, so uh, tell me some of the things you're going to be writing about up on the on uh, Fangraphs.com next couple days, Jay. Well, like I said, I'll have something on Kershaw here for tomorrow, uh, taking a deeper look at, at uh, what happened today. Uh, probably get back to Suzuki. Might do something on Jackie Robinson since Friday is the 75th anniversary. I've got a uh, uh, an idea for something, but have to see if uh, – Something, something else comes through to bring it to fruition. Maybe you can even include uh, Eric's uh, tweet uh, into your um, Kershaw storyline since uh, he's taken. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I don't want to make this about myself, but right. uh, we'll see. Right. Fair enough. Uh, beer time. Let's review the beer pick of the week now that the baseball season is underway. What would you like to talk about uh, here today, Jay? Okay. I, I have uh, gone back to, to something that's uh, – Actually, been one of my favorites, and I've it, it's gotten I, I've gotten so used to seeing it in the grocery store that I've taken it for granted, and I don't know what I was thinking, Steve. Uh, this is the Lawson's Sip of Sunshine IPA, sixteen uh, ounce can, comes in at eight percent ABV. This is as perfect an IPA as you can have. Um, just a wonderful uh, tropically flavored IPA, um, just jam packed with hops. Um, it sells for a little bit more than uh, uh, than some of the other ones I buy, but when I'm drinking it, I'm like, "Yeah, that was worth the extra fifty cents a can." What, what was I thinking? You know, we can get it. We can get it within three weeks of its canning date, and it's just fantastic. One of the best beers you'll get in the country. Is that and that's brewed uh, right there in New York City? No, this is actually up in. Uh, it's brewed in Connecticut. Um, the company itself is based in Vermont, but it's brewed at uh, Two Roads Brewing in, in Connecticut, and I think that, that they did that to increase the capacity, and that's why we're getting it in, in New York City uh, with regularity. So I see it at my local, and, and, and that's great. It's uh, 
Um, it's a wonderful thing to have, and I'm just curious as to why I don't buy it more often. So now I'm going to. Good. Well, listen, I, I will be there in two months. I need to put a list of beers down to drink since there's so many New York beers you review on a regular basis. So I'm planning on that. And uh, as always, great job, and uh, thanks for uh, starting us off here on a Wednesday, Jay. All right. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Jay Jaffe, folks. Follow him on Twitter at Jay underscore Jaffe and check out his work at Fangraphs.com. 39 past KVA news is next right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk 47 past the hour right now. 505-600 in the number nine. That's 915-505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program. Let's go to Brian. He's hanging out in downtown. Joining us next on the show. I know Brian was excited earlier. He was watching that uh, Dodger game or listening to the Dodger game. I don't even know how he gets it, but what were you doing? Were you watching Kershaw or listening to Kershaw today? Oh, I've got I've got MLB. Yeah, I was wa- I watched every pitch. Good I watched for every, you. Every single pitch. I was that's why I was able to keep you uh, you know blow by blow description. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah, listen, uh, you know I. I my, I think you have to be. I have to be practical about these things, and it hurts me to say so. But I have a question for you. You know, because of your the stance that you've taken on this, uh, being a Mets fan, I you know the only thing I the only question I have of you is that do you have Kershaw on any of your fantasy teams? I do. I do. Then you have to. No, no, no. Then you have to back out of it. You have no say. You have a conflict of interest. No, I don't. I got. He got a <laughs> win in 13 do. strikeouts for me. Are you kidding? I don't care. We don't get bonus points for a perfect game. We get we get points based on innings and strikeouts. So he had, he had zeros That's across right. the board in 13 Ks. Go on. You want him to go on so he can have his 14, 15, 16. That's nah. my point. Exactly. Nah. That's my point. I love history. I want history. Come on. Of course I'm objective. objective. Of course. Now, listen. Because you have to get in the game. Listen, but. You basically basically have a Vegas bet on the deal. No, I. You can't. Do you even play fantasy baseball? No, I'm. I'm just saying because you have him on one of your teams, you are not objective. You want him to go out that next time, whether you know whether whether he's unable to pitch the rest of the season or not. No, of course. You listen, know? you're you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Because if he gets hurt, that kills my fantasy season. So I should be the opposite. I should be like you, saying, "Take him out, save his arm. I need him for my fantasy team for the rest of the year." God forbid. We don't want that. We don't want to see him get hurt. So if you think about well, it. I- Forget don't don't give me yeah. this don't give me this stuff about wanting him to pitch and and get the extra strikeouts. I get a win. I get zeros across the board. I've got thirteen Ks and I am loving it, my man. I am loving it. It was an amazing game. Besides that, I mean the back to back to back home runs. I mean, geez, yeah. it was a it was a it was a unique outing. Uh, and of course, they got out of there in the nick of time because snow is predicted for tonight. So uh, I mean, it was it was nice to watch. But I mean, uh, you know, and other years, a different time, if he was young, five years younger, if he wasn't, you know, in it for the long haul, if it wasn't a team sport, I mean, if we'd be yeah. talking about Tiger Woods, I wouldn't say the same thing, which is a golf's individual sport. Baseball's a team sport, and it's all about the team. Kershaw you know, he, said after the game, blame it on the lockout, blame it on my not picking up a baseball until January. It was right. time. So exactly, you know. he didn't throw a single pitch until the till the month of January. I know, but Not he was a, so but he was so he good was today. A, he was so efficient. I mean, the way he was pitching, Brian, I think he could have thrown a no hitter, a perfect game, 
under 100 pitches. I think he was that good no, today. You're, no, you're right. But look at the pitch count. They prop, They had a predetermined 75, and they let him yeah. go five over that. But, yeah. I mean, you, you know, if you're going to make rules, don't break your own rules. My biggest problem is these pitch counts. That's the problem. Listen, listen, know, Brian. The, they're the trying. They're the trying to save arms, and what they, and what happens is, is that they get they get broken down no matter what. No matter what you try to do to preserve a pitcher's arm, they get hurt anyway. So that's well, that's you know, the it's, thing. It's not like it's uh, NBA load management, okay? But I mean, because they only pitch us at at the maximum every fifth day. Yeah. But the but the, the point I'm trying to make is that. Five years ago, I'd be on your side 100%. I really would. But because he's suffered so many injuries recently, I'm really surprised that he came out to pitch this year that he didn't retire. Really, I think that was a possibility. He was going to maybe go to another team, to maybe to go to, go to, go to Texas or another team. And I'm glad they were able, he was able to stay with the Dodgers because I'm such a fan. But the thing is, is he's, he's, he's not in the beginning or in the middle of his career. He's yep. at the end of his career. Well and I think it would be nice to, to preserve that arm as long, as long as we can to see him to be able to pitch into five or six innings of no, of no, uh, no hit ball another few years. There you go. Good job, Brian. Way to go. And uh, congratulations on the big Dodger win. How about the Iraqis coming out 4-1 and one to start the season? That, that's, that's great. In fact, uh, I'd like to, I want to go see the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Chihuahuas and the junior Dodgers, uh, you know, out you know, down the street. There you go. Here. Go walk over. Go walk over and uh, go check. Uh, go check that out. That'll be good. So, all right. Yeah, great. All right, thanks, Steve. Good See you, job. Bro. Thanks, man. Seven in front of uh, five as we continue here on Sports Talk. Now, Brian, he is—he's becoming the voice of reason when it comes to Dodger baseball. I never would have expected Brian to be save his arm, but he thought the fantasy aspect would make me feel greedy. I'm exactly the opposite. If I draft Clayton Kershaw, I'm thinking he's going to get hurt. I want him healthy. So if anybody should be rooting for him to be taken out, it should be me, right? Yeah, I, I understand your your reasoning there. I understand his perspective there as well. So like somebody who doesn't play fantasy, they might think, well, if you have him on your team, then you have that rooting interest, and they might they might assume in, in that regard. So I just thought that was a funny you know back and forth just all together right there. But hey, voice of reason, Brian Kanoff. Absolutely. I like that. Good for Brian. Good for Brian. As we come near the end of our first hour of the program. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the show today. We only have another 90 minutes because 6.30 is the cutoff time, and that's when we get a chance to join who else? Tim Haggerty at the yard. A lot of runs scored yesterday in that baseball game, Adrian. If you like offense, yesterday was your uh, was your thing. Yeah, 16 hits for the El Paso Chihuahuas. They they held strong. I mean, they were up 9-1, to one, and you thought, man, the Dogs are going to just run away with it and, and uh, dominate OKC, but they rallied back. They tied it up 9-9, nine to nine, and it took uh, you know pretty much the whole rest of the game for the Chihuahuas to eke this game out. 13-11 was the final. Great atmosphere for the first night, and uh, just think – 74 more of these, and uh, we're good to go, right? 150 games this year, 75 home, 75 on the road. No clue on postseason. No clue. Just the way we like it. All right. Coming back, Hour 2 Sports Talk continues. Sports Talk, welcome back, everybody. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. 915-505-600 and the number 9. That's uh, 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program. Hey, meanwhile, NBA playoff basketball last night pretty much went down the way you said it was going to, Adrian. 
Yeah, it was a close one, though, with the Clippers. Uh, first game, by the way, uh, a lot of credit goes to the Brooklyn Nets uh, hanging strong in that Cleveland Cavaliers victory. Not really a you know, fan of Brooklyn's defense. I think they have a lot of holes defensively, and I think that series against Boston is going to be tough for them. It's an uphill battle. Uh, and now in the second game, that Clippers-Minnesota game was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, the Clippers really, you know, they, they held strong all the way through to the end of the game, and Carl Anthony Towns actually fouled out. I was thinking, man, it's over. I mean, the Clippers are going to win this one. They're going to be the seventh seed. Uh, but Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell were able to, uh, you know, they, they were the ones who carried the, the the weight for the Minnesota Timberwolves late in the stretch, and they won that game. A little Ewing theory right there, Steve, with uh, Carl Anthony Towns not showing up at the end. I'm rooting. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like that. I'm rooting tonight for Charlotte. You want to know why? Michael Jordan has never done anything in all of his years as an NBA owner. I mean, the man was the best of all time, and as an owner, he kick it anything right. So I want to see his team beat Atlanta tonight, earn that shot to go win again, beat Cleveland, and get in as the eighth seed. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though. I mean, Of course it's going to be tough. Yeah, the, the Hornets right now are, are without Gordon Hayward. He has been, I mean, he's been the same as he was in Boston, just injury-plagued, and uh, he just hasn't been on the court for extended stretches for the Hornets. Uh, he's unreliable at times. You have to, the only guy you can really rely on is LaMelo Ball, that, the sensation, the, the young guy that they have on their team who just does it all at the point guard position. And uh, the Atlanta Hawks, they're frustrated because they don't feel like they should have dipped this much into the standings and Trey Young, John Collins, you know that whole team, Boyan Bogdanovich, they want to win this game in a big way. So this is a bit. This is the biggest matchup tonight. I I look at Spurs Pelicans. Sure, that's a good one. It could be Pop's last game tonight, Steve. That's, yeah, that's another storyline you could that's look true. at. But uh, as far as matchup wise, I'm really looking at Hornets Hawks. Well, Collins out tonight too for the Hawks. Yeah. So, oh, really? John yeah. Collins is out. Man, John that's, a, that's a huge huge loss for the Hawks there. Uh, and Gordon Hayward's out. So they, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are going to be injured. Uh, uh, and, and in this one and not playing. So, yeah, I'm fascinated. It starts now. Uh, it's on ESPN. And, uh, you know, you look at the regular series, they split it to a piece. In fact, um, it's strange, but, um, you know, everybody thinks that Atlanta's going to win. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Hornets. So, you know, these two teams, by the way, props to the East this year because the Nine and ten seeds both finished over 500. You remember the the NBA uh, Eastern Conference used to have eight seeds that was like six under 500. Yeah, some of those eighth seeds were like trying to tank in the midway point of the yes. season, and then when the after the trade deadline, they just said, "Well, all right, let's let's go to the playoffs. Let's sell some playoff tickets and stuff like that." And uh, yeah, they just bought in at that point. But yeah, it's encouraging for the Eastern Conference to you know step up as a whole. I mean, top to bottom in their one through eight, uh, as far as their seedings go, seems like pretty strong when you compare it to years past. Meanwhile, what, what would you say? How would you grade Lamelo Ball this year? Oh, strong. I, I think he. I had expectations that he would be an all-star, and like you know, I, I get it. He was a, a fill-in this year. I thought he would be an all-NBA type of point guard as well, maybe even make a third team, but he didn't make that kind of leap. He still has limitations defensively. He still gets cooked on the defensive side of the ball, uh, but offensively, this guy can run. I mean, he's just the guy that you can just uh, play in transition. He's high-flying, one of the best passers you're going to find as a young player, and he's tall. like He's like six foot nine as a point guard. And I like Miles Bridges a lot, too. I think he's a he's become a 
really solid player for the Hornets. Yeah, whether it's Miles Bridges, whether it's PJ Washington, I like the young nucleus. It's like the the Hornets remind me of like the college all star list. You just kind of look at their their roster top to bottom. It's like, oh yeah, I remember watching that guy in March Madness just a couple years ago. Well, now those guys have started to grow up, and uh, yeah, that's that's the Charlotte Hornets right now. They they have holes at their center position. They need to get better uh, in their front court. But uh, I like the young nucleus for Charlotte right now. Are the Hornets the only team in the NBA that gets to use the Jumpman on their jersey logo? This year, I think everybody used it. It was like a it was like a, a deal with some of the NBA. But I, in normal years, Steve, I think that's that's correct. I think uh, in um, you know a, a typical NBA season, it's only the Hornets wearing Jumpman. I figure. Well, I would hope I understand why he's in the ownership group, right? Of course, makes, makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, I'm not ready for Pop to be gone after this year, after this game. I'm, I'm hoping San Antonio has something left in the tank and they can figure out a way to beat New Orleans. Yeah, this is an in, this is a tough matchup for them, and uh, it's Jonas Valanciunas down low for the Pelicans. It's you know it's those tough front court guys that it, that make it tough for Jakob Purtle down low for the San Antonio Spurs, who has limitations. I love Dejounte Murray. I like their young guys, uh, like uh, you know their their rookie and Josh Primo. He's a he's a fun guy to watch, but the Pelicans. They traded a lot for C.J. McCollum in order to make the playoffs down this stretch. David Griffin's job is on the line as general manager. This is a must-win in terms of a program-setting win for New Orleans to try to get into the playoffs. I mean, they've dealt with the whole season without Zion Williamson, and it's been weird uh, all around with New Orleans. You you have Brandon Ingram, who's your young star that you want to continue to build around, but the Zion part of the future seems uh, murky, to say the least. And then now that you have a veteran, in guard and C.J. McCollum, I think you're built to at least make the playoffs now and uh, not not uh, shell out here as the tenth seed. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Now, is uh, Zion tonight? Um, is, is he ruled out or is he going to play? I don't think Zion's even done like five on five scrimmage yet. Nothing. Like, no, I don't think so. I think he's done like three on three scrimmaging in, in the past. He's posted a dunk video here or there. What a wasted year this has been. <sighs> you think he gets traded during year. the off season? Steve, I'll tell you this. If they wanted to sell high on Zion Williamson, this is the time to do it. And there are people who are going to argue, well, his value's real low right now. Why would you want to trade for somebody with a with an injur- injuries like he's had, especially those foot injuries? Uh, the weight is a big question mark all the time. How much does he weigh? Some people are arguing he's like up there in the 260s. I don't really buy that, uh, you know, those, those rumors that are being floated out there. But the point is, Zion Williamson needs to play basketball. That's the, that's the bottom line. And I think that he will he will sell you tickets. I think that if the New York Knicks were interested, they would pay a premium price to try to team uh, you know to pair up Zion Williamson with his college teammate and RJ Barrett. So that would be a trade candidate right there. And I think they would they would ship out a lot of picks, a lot of NBA draft picks to try to get him. The only question is, I mean, you know, Zion can't pull this stunt in New York like it's happened in New Orleans. And that's the thing is that you know, New Orleans doesn't have the media, the fan base, and I don't. I just don't want to. I don't want to kill New Orleans. But you go to the Knicks and you sit out a year and. Nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, you'll never hear the end of it from the fans. Yeah, he goes to a big uh, big market, and, and it's over right there. If you don't produce, if you're not on the court, uh, it, it would kind of remind me of how the New York fans treated Kristaps Porzingis all those times he was injured. They were constantly questioning w- whether or not this was a smart acquisition for them, and he ended up being dealt, and New York didn't really lose out on that trade at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly right. Uh, does San Antonio have any shot tonight? I'm still taking the Pelicans. I, I think the Spurs can make it respectable. I would expect uh, t- uh, Pop to have a great game plan in this game going into this. But uh, when, when you're just talking about matchups like guys you know, versus guys in this one, I, I'm taking the Pelicans. They, they're more experienced. They have playoff experience as well. Okay. So um, your pick uh, going for the Pelicans. If, if New Orleans wins, can they make it two in a row and win that eight seed? Would, or the Clippers going to be too much for him? I was thinking about this one. This was tough because the way that the Clippers started off yesterday, and if they're able to put that together in four quarters, then yeah, I think the Clippers win easily against the Pelicans. But the Clippers had a lot of problems yesterday, which I don't know if they're going to be able to fix. Like Paul George has to make sure that his shots are falling in order for them to win. And uh, I, I don't know. I think I think in that matchup, I think it's kind of a coin flip. I would I would still probably take the Clippers today, although tonight if the Pelicans blow out the Spurs, maybe I'll take New Orleans in that one. Do you like what the NBA has done to their um, 7 through 10 seeds in the playoffs? Because, you know, you used to be worried, you're an 8 seed, you're in. You don't have to worry. Granted, you play the 1, but you're still in. Nowadays, you could be a 7 seed and still miss the playoffs if you lose two games. Now, some will say if you lose to the eight and then the the, the winner of the 9-10, you deserve to lose. You don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But, you know, that's how things have changed because the only guarantees are one through six. There is no guarantee seven through ten anymore in the NBA. I also yeah I, I would say that I like this method because it really tries to combat tanking and I, I think that tanking has gotten to a point where some of those bottom teams you're you're so annoyed with them like they're just they're pulling all their starters for the last part of the season February and March basketball means nothing to them and and that's not good for the fans so this allows more fans to kind of be invested in the NBA give them that opportunity to try to play their way into the playoffs I don't think anybody who's like in that seven to ten playoff spot can say oh well we've made the playoffs before no you made the play-in you, you you didn't make the playoffs at all you made the play-in tournament and if you're bounced out of that well you, you didn't deserve to make the playoffs at that point I get it but but how does this prevent tanking because ultimately you know if you're not getting in you're not getting in if you're below 10 uh then you're in the lottery and you're hoping you get the, the ping pong ball bouncing in your favor i think that anybody who sees uh themselves like as an eighth seed like no one's gunning for the eighth seed at that point like if you're going one through eight no one's going to be gunning for that eighth seed i think if you have those teams who are ninth and tenth seed like let's just take charlotte for example if they knew that they weren't going to make the playoffs with gordon hayward they probably would have shut down Lamelo ball for the last part of the season we wouldn't have had a, we would have probably a month without him uh they would have shut down some of their other star players and they would have gone full tank mode to try to get the worst possible record they can to try to get ready for the draft and i hate those kinds of things if you're like purposely tanking late in the season when you've already won games like that like that that's no fun whatsoever in the nba i don't disagree but i also don't like the fact that Two teams that normally make the playoffs now are in jeopardy of not getting in. That's that's my biggest problem. I, I don't like the fact that, to me, 20 teams, too much, too much in the NBA. That's two-thirds of the league is, is in the playoffs. I mean, that's to me, that's, that's ridiculous. 
they've made it. They've they've expanded it too much. You might as well just let them all in. Why do we even have a playoffs? Let's just let them all play and have them all try to play themselves into the postseason. Yeah, I, I just still don't take the eight. Like I don't take those teams who bounce out of the play in tournament. I don't consider that playoff. I I don't. I really I don't I don't consider these games tonight. Uh, the games yesterday. I don't consider those playoffs either. This is the play in to try to get into the playoffs, and then you get those seven game series. Then you try to have those. You know, it's not a single game elimination in that sense. So you consider this uh, essentially Tuesday and Wednesday of the NCAA basketball tournament yes. first round. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's how I would compare this right here. Okay. I, it, listen, I, I still think it's too much. Uh, maybe I'm old school. No, I, I, I like, I like, I, I, you know, eight and eight, it's still a lot, but that's, that, that's manageable. If you're telling me like, you know, the, the theory of like, hey, everyone gets a trophy, this is subscribing to that uh, notion right there because everybody gets a chance. Everybody has an opportunity to make it into the playoff. It seems like you're right. 20, a 20 team field who can go to the postseason. That is a lot right there. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think that should be excused. I, I just think that when you look at the bottom of the NBA, like the Houston's, the Oklahoma City Thunder, those games are just unbearable to watch. And those teams don't compete to try to win. They compete to try to win in the NBA draft. How how can you build a program in a dynasty like that? Those, those things frustrate me year after year when I see teams do that. those things. I hear you. Quarter passed. Uh, uh, Chad Middleton doesn't like this. He says it's a terrible format, period, meaning the NBA playoffs. Just give them all a, a participation trophy. That's what Chad's saying. You know, they're all in. So let them have a, a participation trophy, which is pretty much what, you know, new sports is these days. Let's be honest, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, now they're they're wanting to uh, give every you know the first team all rookie class. Now they're doing a three team rookie class. It's like let's let's award every let's give awards to everybody who's a rookie and stuff like that. I, I just don't. I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you with those frustrations. I still think that this will help prevent those kinds of tanking. All right, quarter pass. Let's go to Charlie for traffic. Then we'll come back and up next, Jeff Erickson will give us the fantasy spin. Sports talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk 20 Past. Time to talk a little fantasy baseball. If you have fantasy questions, uh, send them to us right now. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Here he is, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Uh, how are things going for you a week into the baseball season? Not too shabby, not too shabby. I'm just happy we have baseball. I mean, I have some some things that so far look great, Some some calls that – Thought they looked great, and now they aren't looking so great. I'm thinking about the Giants' closer situation where we saw a quote from Gabe Kapler maybe uh, a week before the start of the season, week and a half before the start of the season, saying if the season started today, McGee would be my closer. Well, the season st- didn't start that day. It started uh, last week, and McGee was not the closer. Uh, Camilo Duvall has, has got a save now today, a bumpy one at that, but uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, even when the manager says one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. When do you suddenly trust Gabe Kapler? Come on now, you should know better than that. Uh, right? I know, I know. But actually, my, my reason, the thing is, I was on, before this statement, I was on McGee because I think Duvall is too wild, and I think long-term that doesn't bode well for him closing. Uh, he got the save today, he didn't the other day, so verdict's still out on that one. I could, I could still get some saves out of McGee, but the thing is, now I have to decide, though, can I trust him being in my active lineup? That's that's the tricky part. He is not in my active lineup this week. It's hard. Hard. Well, first off, these first few weeks are so difficult to to decide what's going to happen because yep. some guys are getting pitchers are getting clubbed. Some guys are getting hurt. You've got um, you know some other players just 
going crazy. And then Clayton Kershaw, it's like he's 25 years old again today. Oh, he was awesome. He was so good. That was vintage Kershaw. You know, he wasn't throwing as hard as he used to, but wow, he was so good, so smooth. Very happy to see a healthy Kershaw. Were you upset, uh, like a lot of fans were, that he was taken out after seven? Not in the slightest. Um, Last time, Steve, that he's thrown 80 pitches was June 27th last year. He was hurt last year. He had an arm injury. Uh, And... We had a shortened spring training, and, you know, his velocity was down in spring training. There is no reason to think that this was going to happen like this, and there's no reason to stretch it just for a, a, a milestone. I know we want to see history. I, everybody does. But you've got to think long term. Uh, and if you're not sure about, you know, that, there's some things you can look at here. You can look at, you know, I don't know if you remember Bud Smith. Um, Very well. Cardinals perfect- pitcher. Yep, threw a no-hitter, threw like 135 pitches to get through that and was never the same after that. Corey Kluber last year is stuck on to complete the no-hitter. Diagnosed with arm soreness, the next start. Um, yeah, we want to see history, but the Dodgers want to see him pitch 25 games. They want, to see him, they want to see him pitch 30 games. They want to see him pitch in the playoffs. Uh, and, yeah, people say, well, it wouldn't hurt. You know, I, I'm willing to bet 81 pitches won't hurt him. Well, it's going to take – might have taken 25 more to finish the deal. Um, and that might have hurt him. It was cold. It was rainy in Minnesota. There, there's the velocity is down in his last inning. There was plenty of reasons to take him out. All right. Uh, I argued this with Jay Jaffe last hour. I don't know. I mean, I get that argument. I really do. My attitude is: guys get hurt no matter what. They get hurt warming up. They get hurt stretching. They get hurt falling out of the shower. They get hurt sleeping on their arm funny. They get hurt throwing a baseball. They get hurt getting a baseball hit back at them. You can't worry about injuries because injuries happen often in baseball. Just look at all the injuries for the first week of the game. But that, but that doesn't mean you wave your hand and not take any precautions either. You, you acknowledge that they pitches. happen, but you don't throw caution to the wind. Especially with a guy that was already hurt last year. I think that's the, the, the most obvious reason. It's not like, he, like this is a guy that hasn't been hurt before. He's been hurt a lot. Uh, yeah, recently. the last seven years he's been hurt all the time. All the more reason to take your to, – you want to get as many – the Dodgers are here to win a World Series, not to have personal milestones. I know. I mean, it's, it's an easy call. Yeah, I hear you. I'm just, and and uh, Kershaw himself said it was good with it. I don't see a problem with this at all. I just Listen, you don't get – you know what it is? You don't see history often enough in baseball. We don't. We don't. Not like that. No hitters happen all the time. No hitters is no big deal. Perfect games with, with a legend that's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, that's a different story. I, I understand the appeal. I trust me, I do. I just don't think that they they made a wrong decision here, and I, I certainly don't think it's worth getting up in arms about. Nah, it's a first I, I think it's you. What's that? It's good sports talk fodder right now. It's what I want. I want a little controversy in the first week I of the know, baseball season. Yeah, I know it, it plays well on sports talk radio. Sure it does. plays well on Twitter, but uh, I'm not. I'm not hot and bothered by it. All right, no worries. Neither is every other Dodger fan. Most Dodger fans I talked to are thrilled. They were just they were just happy to see Kershaw turn back the clock and look like vintage Kershaw. That was the biggest takeaway from today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially because remember he got pushed back. You know, this is season started six days ago, and you know he's the last starter to go for the Dodgers and. You know, did, you know, we're kind of wondering. Okay, were they babying him? They're trying to keep him away from Coors Field. Well, maybe that was the right call. Maybe, maybe the Dodgers are smart. I wonder. It's possible. 
Jeff Erickson with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, Stephen Kwan, just having beginner's luck out there in Cleveland. What's going on with the talented rookie? I think he just got on base while we were talking about Kershaw again. Oh, um, my God. Kwan is awesome. Uh, and for I, I doubted him, so I'm feeling the wrath of Kwan right now, with, especially as a Reds fan, but also on my fantasy teams because I don't have him anywhere. Uh, he's, he's super fun to watch because he's just – pure contact, uh, but he has a little bit more pop than Nick Madrigal, a little bit more speed than Luis Arias. Um, he, he could score 100 runs this year. Uh, that all, you know, with Miles Straw getting on base all the time, with Quan getting on base all the time, in front of Jose Ramirez and Fran Reyes, that's a really sweet spot in the order. Uh, you know, he's going to get his first slump at some point. But it's been super fun to watch. It really has. Because let's be honest, Julio Rodriguez, um, you know, is one rookie that's super hyped up. So is Bobby Witt Jr. And all these other mm-hmm. top prospects that are in the game right now and having a chance to play. But they haven't had a chance to really tear things up the way we're seeing from a guy like Stephen Kwan. No. Uh, and maybe Kwan's skill set ports over better when you're making your debut. Uh, you know, it, it, it's easier to get acclimated because you're you're trying to make contact to begin with. Maybe not trying to drive the ball as much as these other guys. So maybe his 90, 90, 90th percentile swing is more effective when you're trying to identify major league pitching. Uh, it's a hypothesis. I, I'm not quite sure, but it's fun. I, I, you know, be a little difference. I like that we have guys that are trying to hit homers, others that are trying to make contact. That that's that that's the essence of the game is trying to find different ways to play it. Early surprises, players that are coming out strong that uh, you maybe caught you a little bit by surprise. Um, I I think uh, I I was on Tyler McGill, but not to the degree that I, I you know I don't have him in every league. I didn't push him up. I've, I've been pleasantly surprised to see how good he's been through two starts. Yep, you know he's one of the few people that has two starts so so far, but he's been a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I want to see, you know, how the Astros play uh, their center fielders. Jose Siri seems like he's getting a little bit more time than I would have expected, so he's a guy who's moved up a little bit. Uh, you know, Quan's, Quan's definitely the big story that we've been talking about the last couple of days. You know, batting second and playing every day, that, that's huge. It really is. Um, and, and, you know, watching him just look so confident at the plate and hitting like a like a machine has been also uh, a lot of fun for us to watch, too. But then again, there's other good stories right now, other guys. I mean, Nolan Arenado, he's not really a, a, you know, a slug, but, boy, is he off to a scorching start out there in St. Louis. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, you know, it's just – Year two now, after uh, all the tumult of last season, you know, he's now it's not like a novel story. He's not in Colorado anymore. No, no, he's just settling in, being a good ball player. Uh, he's going to have his ebbs and flows. We know this, but yeah, he, he's a great. He's one of the better third basemen out there at a position that's kind of weak. So if you got him and you're off to a good start, that's great. Absolutely. Um, All right, I'm going to come back with uh, more baseball notes for fantasy as we continue our conversation with Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. If you've got a question for us, tweet the show. 600 ESPN El Paso as Sports Talk continues. And stole a base yesterday, and you know we know Springer hasn't been running as much recently, so that's actually a very positive sign. Uh, you know, con- considering the disaster that was the first half of last season, yeah, uh, very very positive uh, sign there. Um, he, he, he's someone that uh, you know he's going to score just so many runs in that Blue Jays lineup. I know they got shut out yesterday, but. 
that's a one-off. Uh, congrats to the you know, Nestor Cortez for a good outing yesterday for the Yanks. But, uh, yeah, the Jays are going to score a ton of runs this year. Connor Joe of Colorado, he's not your everyday ordinary Joe, is he? No, he is not. He is uh, He's off to a really nice start. He's getting that playing time. You gotta like seeing that. Um, I'm I've been duly impressed uh, with uh, what he's been doing. I thought maybe when they went out and got Chris Bryant, traded for Randall Grichuk, that uh, Joe might get squeezed in terms of playing time. Getting off to this nice start goes a long way towards guaranteeing that those opportunities. Is Seth Brown uh, for real out there in Oakland? Uh, the power is real. I think the ability to hit two ten is also real for him. Uh, just don't throw him fastballs. I, I think that he just has a hard time with the crooked stuff. Can't, you can't get fall behind the count and then have to t- try to pump a fastball at him. Uh, that, that's, but you know what? The A's, they, they keep scoring runs. They, Sean Murphy just homered for him just now to go up 3 nothing on the Rays and Shane McClanahan. Uh, McClanahan made his debut against the A's in, uh, last year around this time of year. Uh, but uh, pretty, pretty impressive offense. Offensive start for some of these A's players. We know it's a horrible organization. Dave Cavall, every time he goes on Twitter, it's, it's it's embarrassing how he keeps on like saying, "Well, we can't keep these guys unless we get a new stadium." He says that all the time. It's it's getting really frustrating. But the, you know, the you know, Seth Brown's getting getting it, doing some damage, and some other guys are stepping up too. Chad Pinder homered yesterday. You know, they're, they're scoring some runs at least. Yep. Uh, you mentioned McGill for the Mets. The velocity is up a few ticks. Maybe that's one of the reasons it why uh, McGill's pitching so well. He says he wants to hit 100. He hit 99 a couple of times. Uh, you know, I, I just worry. You know, don't you know, with all the emphasis. I know there is a correlation between extra velocity and you know better performance, but there's also a correlation between higher incidence of injury and extra velocity. So I worry about that in the long run. But man, you know, enjoy the fruits of it. I guess right now. Yes, exactly right. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, Jesus Lazardo looked terrific for Miami. He looked amazing. Maybe the you know he and before Kershaw today that might have been the best start so far. Uh, Twelve Ks through five innings. Uh, he's thrown ninety nine. I you know I'm I'm super impressed. And after what happened last year, it's it's good to see you know he's finally fully recovered. When he got traded to the Marlins, he, he had a couple of good starts, but his ERA was just as bad in Miami as it was in Oakland, over six. Uh, and now you know he came in gangbusters in spring training and. That converted over in his first start, too. Suddenly, with Carrasco, McGill, and Bassett, um, you know, the Mets look like they can at least absorb DeGrom for the time being. Yeah, unfortunately, they lost Taiwan Walker, too. Uh, so they're, they're really pushing it. David Peterson's going to get some starts. Scherzer pitched today. That hamstring is held up. He's made it through two starts. Wasn't amazing today, but good enough. They got a lot of run in support of him, runs in, in support of him. So, yeah, I mean, the Mets, they're showing that they're going to be pretty competitive. They still make some bad decisions here and there. Uh, they still have some uh, issues in terms of just, like, in, in terms of fielding and things of that nature. But this is a pretty good, te- yeah, pretty good team. They're going to be uh, strong throughout the NL East. Also impressed with Sean Manea's debut with the Padres. He looked great over seven innings. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, they uh, lost a day uh, with him on the mound, two to one, but obviously wasn't his fault in a two to one game. Um, yeah, he he gave them exactly what they needed, and as we're seeing with teams, you need seven, eight viable starters. You can't just go with four or five. We're already seeing that the, what's happening with the White Sox. You know, down Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, uh, that they're they're digging pretty deep for their rotation. 
Whereas uh, the Padres, they, they have like seven or eight guys. Uh, they they lose Blake Snell, no problem. They just call up super duper prospect. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and Mackenzie Gore, who's going to make his debut this weekend after a great spring training. I mean, the fact is they have six or seven guys that they can turn to. You're right, and uh, you know we're hoping to see Mackenzie Gore this weekend in El Paso, but he's got other plans. Chance to now, he has such a great spring training, he finally gets his opportunity with the Padres. That's a good story. Yeah, and he he could make one or two starts. That's what he's tentatively slated to do. Or, you know, he could be awesome in those two starts, and they'll they'll find a way to keep him in there. I mean, that's just the thing. They they kind of would give him. You know, you know, guys get that chance. He could burst through, kick that door down, and stay. Exactly right. Uh, let's go to the website, uh, and that would be rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports. you got so much going on, but we'll focus on baseball, especially with the stories. You've got the uh, Daily Fan Duel Sportsbook. You've got also your picks. Um, I like Jeff Zimmerman's one-man trash column for week one, Colette Calls. Uh, what do you want to profile for us this week? Uh, th- those are great starts. Uh, I... I- I want you to check out the closer grid, too. Ryan Roof does a great job of keeping that updated, and obviously early in the season it's super important to stay on top of that. Uh, we saw like Hansel Robles get a save for the uh, Red Sox today. Stay on top of all that so you can kind of get an advantage on the waiver wire, beat, beat your opponents to guys that might get 15, 20 saves. You never know which is the guy that can take the job and run with it. You know, Possession is nine-tenths of the law when it comes to closers, so we may, we may be waiting for Matt Barnes to come back, or they may just say, you know what, Robles is doing a good job. We'll leave him alone. So, you know, or or he could blow the next one too. It's always possible, but we're going to be on top of every one of those situations for you there. Where is the easiest place to find the closer grid at uh, rotowire.com? So you navigate to baseball, and then uh, from there, uh, go to lineups. You can click on closers. Uh, that's one way of doing it. Or depth charts and click on closers. Either way gets you there. Updated. You not only get the closer, but you also get next in line, next in line, so too deep. And the thing I love the most is security. Tells you who maybe is in jeopardy of losing their job, and then um, you know closer and rate in waiting ranks. You even go ahead and, and put that up there. So it's a it's a really good piece for people that are looking for closers. Yep, it's always updated. Uh, always uh, jostling jostling for a position there. So. Uh, uh, Ryan does a great job for us there, and we know how important it is, especially the way teams manage their bullpens today. Good job as always, Jeff. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again right back here next week. You bet. Take care, Steve. You too. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Come back with more. Sports Talk continues less than an hour away from Chihuahua's baseball right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Video getting ready for the spring game. A lot of interviews tomorrow. We're going to interview, uh, man, they got all these new coaches. We're going to interview the new basketball coach, the men's coach, the women's coach, the new football coach. I mean, Mario Moch has been busy hiring over the last uh, eight months. Yeah, he really has, Steve. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if it's an, if UTEP Spring Showcase is any indication of how NMSU Spring Showcase will be, then it's going to be an ac- action-packed night, and there's just going to be a lot of guests that we're going to bring on this show, and a lot of a lot of different voices you'll hear from New Mexico State. We also might be able to bring on somebody from uh, Modelo Especial, uh, and that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And Contera Negra Tequila. So we're going to also include wow. some some spirits in the program, Adrian. Wow, Steve. We're, we're going all out for this one right here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be busy. 
It's going to be a busy show from start to finish. And maybe Mario Mocha could even grace us with his presence and stop by at some point uh, on the show. That would be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, that would be a great time. Uh, Steve, I'm just looking forward to this in all in all aspects. I mean, when we're talking spring ball, it's just a lot of fun for the university to celebrate their own football team. And there's a lot of new to celebrate with the Aggies and, and their new head coach and Jerry Kill. You know, the only thing Mario hasn't done yet, maybe it's coming, when are we going to hear about the official crypto of New Mexico State University Athletics? Just like we heard today for the Dallas Cowboys. Is that where you're getting at? Uh, exactly right. Uh, cryptocurrency and the Cowboys. That's exactly what Jerry was able to do. And uh, apparently it was announcing a move to partner with blockchain for a uh, for the Cowboys, which is also very interesting. And, you know, if somebody was going to come up with this in the NFL, yeah, my money would probably be on Jerry Jones. Wouldn't it be yours? Yes, because he wants to do whatever it takes to be as profitable as he can. And uh, if this is the, if this is a way to make some more money, then it's uh, Jerry. Jo- it's exactly up Jerry Jones Avenue. Uh, the big question is going to be, what will the crypto include? Because, you know, the Cowboys also now have a casino, cryptocurrency, um, it, it's it's pretty wild. And look at the look at the off season Jerry's gone through with all the stuff in his personal life. He's had to deal with. First, they had to deal with the uh, the, the the suit from the cheerleaders. Then he had the woman who's uh, is apparently his daughter, and and she's been suing him. So he's been getting sued left and right, and he still figures out a way to put together a new deal. <laughs> he's got to make some cash at some point, and now uh, you know he's doing all this stuff, all these off season uh, distractions that are off the field for the Cowboys, uh, and it's all leading up to the NFL draft. Which uh, yeah, the Cowboys need to make some moves here for the draft. They have a lot of uh, yeah, they have some holes to fill, and they lost some players over free agency. So yeah, it, it's interesting now how you know how we're going to see how they're off the field issues if they bleed over to their on-field uh, you know uh, performances or who they end up picking for the NFL draft have we heard yet what blockchain.com is going to do with the Cowboys do we know about that yet? no I, I'm not sure about this one right here if they're going to invest in like some kind of a coin for them or something like here that we go. no clue the agreement will include exclusive branding advertising content and event opportunities more specifically the deal includes club space inside AT&T Stadium, rights to social digital integrations, highly visible signage within the stadium bowl, as well as extensive TV, radio, and digital advertising. The partnership will also create ways for fans to quickly access Cowboys content and their blockchain.com wallet. Man, that's just that's too much for me right there, uh, Steve. I I get it; they're making some money right here, but that that just went over my head. Yeah, I, I don't know what that means. Here's yeah. here's some more stuff. All right, fans can expect to gain access to exclusive experiences and rewards through the Blockchain.com wallet, ranging from away game VIP trips to player-hosted events. The teams will curate inclusive fan experiences with an upcoming block party and an educational summit for interested fans to learn more about the digital assets space. This sounds like one of those shams that where they ask a bunch of people to go to a meeting and then they say, hey, invest in this, only $20 for the rest of your life, and you can be a millionaire just like Jerry. And everybody gets, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where everybody gets scammed. You said shams, not to be include, not to really, uh, you know, not not to uh, make any bread sham references, right? <laughs> no, no, no. 
How about this? To kick off the celebration with Cowboys fans, Blockchain.com will run a special promotion via Blockchain.com slash first. Fans who sign up with their email on the landing page and purchase $100 plus of crypto within the next week will get a $50 crypto bonus. How about that? They, they want people to invest in. They want people to join this thing, Steve. So they're going to use any incentive they can to try to lure the people. Only the Cowboys, folks. Only the Cowboys. All right, two hours in the books. When we come back, Hags will join us in about 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the final countdown as we get ready for game two of the Chihuahuas and the Oklahoma City Dodgers here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of our number three on the program. That's right. Welcome back to Sports Talk, along with Adrian Broaddus and Sal Montes hanging around the background. Good to see you, Sal. Steve Kaplowitz with you. What's Sal up to right now? I'm just curious. How's, uh, how is, uh, what is this for you, like year six of uh, Chihuahua's baseball? How many uh, years have you been doing this? Oh, man, this is season number seven. Are you actually. serious? Yeah, so I started in 14, but the first season really was uh, was 2015. So this would technically be season eight or seven. Uh, you know, we had the COVID year, but yeah, season seven. Wow. All right. Well, that's uh, how, how fast time flies, right? Yeah. I didn't know anything before, but now I'm a little bit more responsible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tim's already in an all-star break for him. I was going to ask you about that. You've done this so long. Does it just feel as if, uh, you know, it's just a, another, uh, you know, just just another game is basically the best way to put it. Because you, you guys have been together so long, it's almost like uh, you, you know the way this whole thing is working. Yeah, the format's been, you know, pretty much the same year in and year out. And uh, with, with Tim, he makes it super easy to uh, to work with. It's always a blast. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we have 100-plus games that we do. So my theory is even if you make one mistake out of 140, I mean, you're still at 99% success rate. So everything's going good. Yeah, I hear you. That's good. Really good. All right. Um, you want to get into the show, 505-6009 is our telephone number. That's 505 505- Six zero zero nine uh, here on the program on Sports Talk as we continue. And uh, a lot of great things we've talked about. Uh, still more we haven't talked about. NFL Draft uh, is coming up at the end of the month. We'll be there. We will be live from Vegas. Excited about that and uh, looking forward to what should be a, a terrific NFL Draft uh, broadcast experience. In fact, uh, can't wait to make that happen. Brought to you by the folks at Taco Avocat, Palo Verde Homes, Longhorn Distributing, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, along with 915 Tours, AIC Fit Foods, and Clean Water of El Paso. Oh, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a lot of uh, excitement. And uh, it's going to happen before you know it, Adrian. We're going to be uh, we're going to be ready to go, and there it is. It's going to be uh, it's going to be happening. Yeah, there, and there's some great draft storylines that we're continuing to follow. How many quarterbacks being taken in the first round? How what, how many receivers too? I mean, it's a deep receiver class. There are some standouts in the secondary, like one of my favorite names in the draft, Sauce Gardner, uh, out of mm. uh, Cincinnati, and he might go two. We're hearing number two overall for I, Sauce. I would not be surprised, man. This guy's uh, deadly, deadly uh, in in the secondary. And if somebody uh, were to take him as high as number two, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Mm, man, oh man! So when we go, um, it's going to be our first ever draft experience on location. I mean, we've we've aired the draft, we've 
If, if you go back 25 years on this radio show, I used to do the draft show with Robert Garcia where we would go to a sports bar like Pitchers Inside the Marriott years ago, and we would spend seven hours on a Saturday going pick by pick while the, while the fan clubs were there. Adrian, it was wild. Surreal is the best way to put it. Pitchers inside Marriott, the Marriott. That's that's where you, uh, I started getting uh, all these questions right there when you start, when you said that. Marriott had a sports bar years ago called Pitchers. Okay, we would broadcast from there. Uh, we used to do Monday night football from there, and then we do the NFL draft extravaganza. Now all the fan clubs would get there, and they would and they would be a part of it. One year we gave away a prize for the best fan club. This was the last year we did the show. People got mad. That's, they did. I, that's at least what I'm thinking. Right there was there. a fight. No way. Well, not a fist fight, but what ended up happening was was that you got to remember seven hours after the show started, fans have been drinking a while. Oh man! So when we gave the fan club award, I thought we gave it to the Rams. I either it was either I don't remember, but one of the fan clubs came in and were ready to start fighting and throwing it down with us while we were on the air. They they dropped it up to the broadcast position. J.T. Chapman who was um, running the um, the uh, account for us, for, uh, pitch, for pitchers, had to get in there and defuse the situation. Otherwise, it could have gotten ugly. We could have had a brawl on the radio. Okay, that is in, an insane story to even think about, Steve. The fact that fans got so mad that you awarded somebody else uh, the fan club of the night award, and they yeah. got mad to the point where they wanted to shut down the broadcast, and they wanted to to you know pound you guys. That's, that's crazy. It was nuts. It it was crazy. So that was our last ever broadcast from the NFL, like an NFL draft show like that. We ended it because he's like, you know what? It's not worth it. We're doing this to have a good time, having fun. And if the fan clubs are going to be that upset about it, then we got to shut it down. And that's crazy. I, I still can't believe this, Steve. I can't believe this actually happened. We did an NFL draft show. Let's see. Probably, I don't know, eight, nine years in a row. And then we just stopped them. And that was the end of that. That last time, that was I guess that was it, right? So now we're going back, and we're going to be on location in Vegas. We'll be at Caesars. So um, uh, Adrian's going to be uh, joining me on location. We're excited about that, um, and we're going to bring you not one but two days of NFL draft coverage. This draft, uh, there are so many, so many, like, there's so much controversy already, Steve. Like, there's there's a lot of teams that need to get better this offseason. There's front office who front offices who have a lot of pressure on them, or guys will be fired next year. I, I mean, this this draft will, uh, it's kind of the dominoes that, that will tip for the rest of the season. Like another make it or drink it, uh, break a draft, right? Yeah, I'm with you on that completely. Oh, uh, so it's going to be fun. So that, uh, mark that in your calendars, folks, April 28th and 29th. So that's a Thursday, Friday. We'll be delivering that for you live from Las Vegas. Do we have somebody to work the st- uh, show from the yeah, station? Yeah, Angel's yet? working. Both Angel's days? working both days, yep. Good. Confirmed? Confirmed. All right. Happy to hear it. Thank you, Angel. Appreciate that. Um, again, if you want to get into the show, 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. That is 505-6009. We've... Touched on a, a lot of interesting topics. Uh, Hawks leading the Hornets right now late in the uh, first half, 49-38. Not much of a surprise right there. Uh, Adrian, this is really what you predicted all along. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, it's one of those things where if the Hornets were at full strength with Gordon Hayward, with all the players,
players that they were missing, then I would I would take the Hornets in this game because I really like what they could bring to the table. But on the road, you know, riding the momentum from guys like PJ Washington, Miles Bridges down low, that's really all they have. So uh, I like Atlanta in this one in a big way, and and yeah, they're making this one look a little ugly in the first half. By the way, um, after the game is over, it's gonna be the second game between New Orleans and San Antonio. If Pop retires. Is Becky Hammond going to take over? Is that pretty much a foregone conclusion that she will uh, inherit the coaching position, or is it possible that uh, San Antonio skips over her? I I don't th- I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I don't w- also wouldn't rule them skipping out on her. I think she would automatically be a finalist. But I think there are a lot of other coaches on Pop's bench who would also be considered in that case. I, and I think the evidence the evidence is you know it's kind of proof that's in the pudding with all the different assistants that have been poached. By by other NBA teams that have ended up being head coaches. So I'm not too sure where they're at on that. I've heard very mixed uh, reports on this kind of stuff. It's a very interesting topic. It but is. I'd still, uh, I'd still predict that Becky Hammond would be a finalist for this job. Well, is Pop going to move into the front office permanently after this, or is he just going to retire for good? Yeah, that's another good question. I think, you know, he's, uh, because he's if almost he has 70, a, right? But, but if he has a say... You know Becky Hammond's getting the job because uh, he's been as loyal to her as she's been to the organization all these years. Yeah, Greg Popovich is seventy three right now. I expect him to retire, travel the world. You know, not kind of forget about basketball at least for uh, the the short term right yeah. there, and then allow the Spurs to run their organization like they want. But yeah, I'm with you. Like if if Pop has a say, he's probably asking that that Be- Becky Hammond, uh, you know, takes over and uh, de- continues to develop the young nucleus that is the San Antonio. Spurs. I, I think so too. And and of course it would make for such a great story because she would become the first female head coach in NBA history. And uh, of all the people that could do the job, you got to figure Becky Hammond's put in so many years now that it should it shouldn't even be a, be a concern at this point. And if she gets fired, hey, she's just like everybody else in the NBA. Yeah, the turnover is so high in the NBA. I mean, coaches start for one year and then they uh, then they're already the longest tenured coach in in the NBA after just two or three years, which is ridiculous. It just shows that this is a constant revolving door in the NBA for head coaches. Uh, for Becky Hammond, I, I also you know I also want to mention that she's interviewed for a lot of head coaching positions. So she's been around as far as like you know getting her name out there, talking to owners, execs, GMs, whatever it is. So she's put her name out there in a big way. And I, I, if it's not San Antonio, I still expect her to be a head coach soon enough. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate that. As uh, we continue right now, 12 past the hour here on Sports Talk. Um, Other storylines we have not touched on yet. I got to bring this up because it's a huge story. I did not expect David Carr to get a $40 million extension per year for three years, but it's $121.5 million by the Raiders over the next three years. So this tells me that Josh McDaniels loves Derek Carr. And I, I mean, like, he wants to make yeah. him the future for the next uh, – uh, Obviously, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know if this is the right move because you didn't have to do it. That was my big thing is, like, the Raiders kept saying, oh, well, we, we have all these great pieces and we have the cheapest quarterback on our roster, like, across the, uh, the NFL. And now you can't say that. You He's not making the most money. He's not making the least amount of money as far as quarterbacks are concerned but uh, I, I still think that this is one of those things that feels a little unnecessary this feels like the, the time when the Rams gave Jared Goff an extension when they didn't have to do that I'm with you on that one I'm with you 13 past as we continue here on sports talk um, I was a little surprised by it 
caught me off guard. I mean, I get a hundred million dollar extension, um, and that's even a lot of money. That's thirty something million, but man, forty million over those three years that per year, that's a ton of money to give David Carr. I just don't consider David Carr I mean, do you consider him a top ten quarterback no, in the NFL? No, no. I don't either. I don't no, I don't I don't consider Derek Carr a top ten quarterback. I think that what he does in the fourth quarter of games has gotten better, which that's what we're judging quarterbacks on. Can you rally back and can you win games? Yes, he can. Uh and you know, let's see the connection with him and Devontae Adams. This has to pan out. They, they have to go to the playoffs for all these moves to be a success or, or lauded as a success for that matter. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up with the the great Tim Haggerty live from Southwest University Park. Get his thoughts on everything right after we say hello to Charlie One for one last traffic update.